Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to The Parenthood. If you really think about it, it's an amazing job that what mothers do, creating a real live baby from a cluster of cells. For nine months, our bodies miraculously and secretly nurture new life, doing what no scientist can do, producing a baby capable of independent life, and then often, if a mother's breastfeeding, continuing to provide nutrition for them. But what cost does this come at? Traditionally, it's all about the baby. Are they okay? Are their needs met? Are they content? But what about the mother? What about the human whose body has single-handedly nurtured this miracle? What has this gargantuan feat cost her? Amazingly, it's only relatively recently that we even have a name for postnatal depletion, and it's high time we started talking about it properly and taking it seriously. With me today, I've got my sister, GP, and co founder of The Parenthood, Dr. Kiara Hunt, to have a frank conversation about postnatal depletion. Kiara, thanks so much for joining me today. This is obviously a conversation we have on the bump class a little bit, but I just want to go back to basics. What exactly do we mean by postnatal depletion? Yeah, hi Marina. So yes, it's um it's definitely a conversation I've been having for years with my patients and we've been having for a long time on on the bump class but never really given it a term and when I came across the term postnatal depletion um I, it resonated. It was a great is a great way of describing a a a group of feelings and symptoms. So, you know, we all know that you know, carrying a baby, delivering a baby, and then the enormous emotional and physical life changes that go with becoming a mother take an, a huge toll on on uh, the mother's health. And it takes an incredible amount of resources, both physically and emotionally, to conceive, carry and deliver a baby. And and those uh, those resources are are depleted by doing so. And if we don't mitigate that by eating well, resting well, having a good, robust support network, it can cause symptoms in the mother without a doubt, not just for months after the baby's born, but if not managed, then for years, um, you know, and we've said, we, we were talking about it this morning in a class, weren't we? But, you know, in order to look after, to be able to look after our children well, we, we need to look after ourselves. It's the most important thing. Um, and interestingly, so the term postnatal depre- depletion was actually coined by an Australian doctor, called Dr. Oscar Serilac, who who's written a really good book, actually, which I read recently called The Postnatal Depletion Cure, um, which looks at what exactly postnatal depletion means uh, and, and, you know, in quite a lot of detail, how we can help women in that 
postnatal period. And essentially what it is, is a group of symptoms that cultures throughout history and across the world have recognized, you know, for hundreds of years and have taken steps to mitigate. But in our Western culture, it's become largely ignored, um, you know, superseded by the sort of desire to get back to normal quickly and, you know, for women to get back to work and to be this sort of super mum, you know, looking after the baby, nourishing the baby and getting back to life quickly. Um, and, uh, and, and the symptoms of postnatal depletion stem from not just not just physical symptoms, but the, the, the hormonal changes, the psychological aspects of, of, of the life change that goes with having a baby. And of course, the physiological changes with, that, that happen because your, your body has nourished this baby and your, your, you know, continues to do so even after they're born. And it's actually just remembering that the body, for, for evolutionary reasons, favors the baby. So when you're pregnant and you've got your placenta doing such a good job of using the mother's blood to nourish the baby, it, it, everything the baby needs goes to the baby. And if, if there isn't quite enough for mother and baby, then baby gets it. And the same, same for breastfeeding. Everything the baby needs is put into breast milk. And if that means depleting the mother of her stores, so be it in, in terms of the body's idea. Um, so, uh, so that's essentially what postnatal depletion means. Um, but it's not a diagnosis. It's not a, it's not a condition. It's just a series of, of, of uh, different factors that come into play in that period after a baby's, after a mother's had a baby that can cause, can cause her to feel pretty, pretty awful. I think there's understanding that babies are essentially, they sort of behave like parasites, don't they? I think it's so important because um, I was reading recently that there was a study done on like a, a big kind of population study done in, I think it was in the Netherlands during a sort of famine. And they realized that the, there was no difference in terms of the baby's um, kind of outcomes um, if they had experienced the famine um, in their mother's uterus and when they were breastfeeding. But the rest of the population lost weight massively. And it just shows that exactly that, that the babies will take everything that they need. And it's the mothers that are the ones that suffer, which is basically an allegory for motherhood, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it doesn't have to be. And actually, I think it's something we've lost in the West, in Western culture. When you, as I said, when you look at other cultures, there's a common theme in lots of different parts of the world. It's not just one country or, or, or one culture. But there's, there's often this theme of confinement, which 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 sounds quite barbaric to us in the West, you know, confining a woman after she's had a baby. But actually, what they're doing is making sure the woman has absolute privacy, absolute time to bond with her baby, lots and lots of people on hand to teach her about mothering, lots of people to look after her, provide her with food and, and sleep and um, nutrition and support. Um, for usually, for most cultures, it's, it's a month um, that, they would be, that they would be in confinement. Uh, so, you know, whereas we, you know, we see most mothers striding down, down the high street with their pram, you know, days after their baby's born. Well, and in America, maternity leave is six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Back to work, full time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's and a medical condition. Of, there's this, this concept of... Um, there's this concept of the fourth trimester of, of pregnancy. And actually, you know, that's three months uh, of, 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 of your body needing to recuperate. Um, and, and again, other studies look at the first hundred days of the baby's of the mother's life, sorry, in terms of when she's needing additional support. And we just don't really think of it like that in, in, in our culture. And I think we need to a bit more. 
And, and is it a medical condition, postnatal depletion? Is it, is it re- recognised by doctors as a thing? No, and I don't think it is a medical, I don't think it should be a medical condition or even a diagnosis. It's part of life. It's part of, uh, it's part of what goes with having a baby and just needs to be mitigate, mitigated. It's not a, a diagnosis as such. I mean, every, everyone who conceives and carries and delivers a baby will, ele- will, will go through some postnatal depletion. It's just whether or not they manage it well as to whether or not they'll be symptomatic of it or, or have problems associated with it. And it's not like, that there's a single treatment in inverted commas that's going to work. It's it's taking steps to prevent it in the first place and mitigate it, you know, treat it if you are having symptoms of it. And it's going to be slightly different for everyone. And some people won't notice it at all and will bounce back much quicker than others who, who will take a bit more time. Well, and typically it's going to be those who have had that kind of nurturing in that fourth trimester that are pre- presumably going to feel it less, the mothers that... And to have prepared for that for, for for that fourth trimester for that first three months of the baby's life, but you know in the pregnancy already um, planned how they're gonna how they're gonna manage it how they're gonna be supported how they're gonna eat and sleep etc. And what are the signs of postnatal depression? Again, it's sort of it, it, there's lots of different symptoms and and a lot of them are what we just consider as completely normal for for new mothers. It's some of it overlaps a bit with the symptoms of postnatal depression, and that's something. To, to, to discuss but you know feel that feeling of being overwhelmed being quite irritable feeling quite vulnerable being very tired you know tired but 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 uh, but stimulated you know um at the same time uh feeling quite anxious or low in mood not sleeping um you know things like the skin and hair not being quite what it was um some people have a sort of sensitivity to light and sound or may just feel feel quite sort of unwell generally you know I have lots of people coming to see me in in those first in that first year just not feeling well um but not being able to necessarily put their finger on what it is that 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 they're feeling no I see what you mean I mean I mean and a lot of that is I mean just like can carry on I remember feeling like I was in a fog of tiredness for mm. about five years when my children were small and that I'm sure is to do with postnatal depression but it's also to do with the fact that you know looking after a small child or two small children is just really really hard and you're not that's getting what, much sleep that's what I mean it's it's it, it, it that is part of it you know just the very act of, of looking after a baby or, or very small children without without the support network and the self-care um, and the food and the sleep that you need it, it is it is that's what postnatal depletion is in itself is it do you see what I mean so it's not one or the other um, and um, uh, yeah and I think just women who've had a baby understanding a bit about that and knowing that people often are so surprised that I that I say to them I really just I think it's it's just this this postnatal period that's making you feel like that it's not something some dreadful diagnosis that you've got that's making you feel like this so how can you well first I want to talk about how we treat it but is there anything we can do to prevent it from happening or is it just something that happens to everyone I mean I know it obviously does happen to everyone but just in terms of it you being really seriously depleted 
anything to prevent it from happening in the first place. Yeah, from, from, yeah just all for be, becoming really depleted in the first place. Yeah, yeah. as I said, because everyone goes through it. But I think you can definitely start thinking about it when you're um, even thinking about getting pregnant. You know, if you're planning a pregnancy, making sure you that year leading up to it, you're li- leaving, leading a healthy lifestyle. And we all know what that means. It's not rocket science. You know, eating healthy, whole foods, um, you know, making sure that you're eating a variety of foods, that you've got plenty of fish and fish oils and that sort of thing, taking your preconception vitamins, which will have everything in it that you need, um, making sure you're getting into good habits, that you're exercising regularly, that you're going to bed at the right sort of time, that if you're stressed, you're finding ways to mitigate that stress and you're finding, you're understanding your body and finding, finding ways that, that you can help um, yourself feel less stressed, less anxious, less low. So start focusing. And I think a lot of us haven't done this uh, until we get pregnant. Start, start sort of focusing a bit more on on you and on self-care and what works for you. So so those are sort of things you can definitely do to prepare. Then, you know, when you're pregnant, again, again, you know, food is important, uh, supplements are important, but also like you know, we talk in the bump class, you don't have time to cook healthy food when you've got a newborn baby. So if you don't have that wonderful culture of, of confinement and being looked after, then then fill the freezer with healthy healthy food. Get a cookbook when you're pregnant to to work out what what foods are really beneficial in that postnatal period and cook you know cook things and put them in the freezer. Look at healthy delivery options if you live somewhere where that's option an option um you know start to rally family and friends around you ask for help something we're really bad at in the in western society so you know if we don't have that village around us to who are going to step in automatically then try and create that in some way um so that you've got that support network and presumably too you know it's about managing your pregnancy in terms of just understanding what your body's doing every day before you go to work, before you've honored the commitments and gone to the wedding and organized the hen party and all the other million things that I see women doing the whole time, you know, certainly that third trimester is time to slow down and, and don't wait until, you know, week 37 to slow down. You sort of really need to action that slowing down from as soon as you enter that third trimester so that you are as undepleted as it is possible to be by the time you go into labor. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and some of those things, as, we, as we've just talked about, you can, you can mitigate as, as much as possible. But some of it will also come from, from just the very action of carrying the baby and the depletion from the baby. Some of it is going to come from that sudden change in hormones, especially that affects the brain after the baby's born, that gives you that brain fog, baby brain, you know, that's very difficult to mitigate for in the prevent as it were you know um the 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 actual labor itself and the in some cases the sort of experience which can be have been quite difficult for some women is going to be a contributing factor to postnatal depletion whether they've lost blood in the birth that's going to make a difference whether or not they breastfeed um how how well um how well the mother's able to sleep and how much sleep she's able to 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 get in the in the period after the baby's born even you know just the very disruption of her natural circadian rhythm in that postnatal period which has got to happen because she's got to feed the baby but that is all again going to contribute to that postnatal depletion and then on top of that the in the west the social isolation the lack of support the lack of the sort of village around uh, helping raise the child the increase of stresses that's that's you know, people often say to me, well, why? Surely it doesn't make sense for women to get postnatally deplete. But, you know, you, you look at the, that long list of things and you, you realise that, you know, it's not that it's not that surprising that, that, that women do. 
I remember watching a nature documentary once about flamingos. Mm. And um, when female flamingos have their young, they lose their pink because the pink in their feathers is actually from the sort of nutrients. And they lose their pink for about a year. And I've often thought it would be really useful if women had a sort of physical manifestation of the depletion that they are experiencing from having grown a whole nother human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That would be that would definitely be useful because we 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 tend to think that women just sort of bounce back quite quickly and uh, and you know can get back to to work to life completely normally. Well, just because they've basically put on some makeup and kind of styled their hair, they look really well, like they should be sort of normal again. But actually, like flamingos, they have totally lost their pink. Yeah. <laughs> that should be a new terminology. I think you've lost your pink. <laughs> <laughs> And what about if you really feel that you've you're you're massively depleted, kind of beyond what you can cope with, and you want to do something about it? Is this something you visit your doctor about? No, I mean I think if you're feeling awful, you definitely want to see your doctor because there may well be something that's really easily fixed. That that you know I very often I often do do a checkup at well, in fact, most of my patients will come at about three months for a for a postnatal checkup. Um, to talk about this sort of thing um and you know blood tests are really helpful looking at um you know whether they've lost blood whether they're anemic whether we can just top up their iron stores a little bit often their vitamin levels are a bit low and they can be adjusted for some of the minerals so um you know and and you know deficiencies is very different from insufficiencies so you know if you are really deficient in a vitamin or mineral you'll have you know quite specific physical symptoms as a result of it you know zinc deficiency you'll have white spots in your nails um b12 deficiency you'll have a kind of sore tongue you know that sort of thing but your, your levels have to get really quite low for that and that doesn't mean they can't be optimized by by um in changing diet or having some sort of supplement so um some things are really easy to check for in blood tests and other things are a bit less obvious because your doctor may say oh well your you know zinc levels look fine but actually they're perhaps not quite as good as they could be um uh so so i think that's where that's where if you if you're feeling a certain way looking at specific um nutrients can be can be quite helpful and and adjusting those i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And should postnatal women all be taking postnatal vitamins or is a healthy diet enough? Well, a healthy diet's enough if you're, if you're not too depleted to start with. 
But if you need kind of if you need repletion <laughs> to get everything back up to normal, then, you know, then it's worth doing that for, for about three months, depending on what what you're talking about, which vitamins or minerals you're talking about. But you'd probably take some for about three months and then uh, the diet alone should be enough. But it's quite difficult with just diet to to correct um, depletion. Uh, so, yes, I think I think uh, I do think postnatal vitamins are, are really quite helpful. Um, and and if they can be sort of tailored specifically to what you're you're lower in, that can be even more helpful. So, and um, and increasingly doctors are open to that and aware of that and able to and able to advise um, more more specifically for for mothers. So, in an um, ideal world, there'd be a blood test. They'd say it's looking like your iron levels and your zinc levels are really low. So let's give you a tailored set of supplements to take that would address oh that. they may you know if doctor a doctor might not know too much about it they may say well i think it might be worth speaking to a nutritionist about this or you know that sort of thing to or, or you buy a book that is that gives you some ideas but but um but yes it, it it's not it's not a one size fits all necessarily in terms of the postnatal um vitamins yeah but presumably what's also important is that not to expect that you can continue life at 100 miles an hour and not rest and not acknowledge the massive thing that your body's done by taking kind of expensive supplements. No, totally. That... totally. And that's why this whole, it's almost a syndrome of, of postnatal depletion. It's not, it's not something that could just be fixed by taking, taking, you know, handfuls of, vit- of vitamins um, and, and not sleeping or, or not, um, you know, not looking after yourself. Uh, it, it's got to be, it's got to be a complete life uh, assessment really for and not for a long particular not particularly long period of time it can just be it can just be a few months of really focusing on that and then and then getting back up to normal back back to normal but essentially society kind of needs to understand that as well as the women themselves yeah. you yeah. know the, the idea that really a pregnancy is four trimesters and yeah. that women just don't bounce back however much they like to think you they, they well, like and also think. the trouble is they you know they on the face of it you can bounce back and you can be wheeling your plan around and you can be doing your, your social activities and you can be but but you're probably going to suffer for a longer time even just to a small extent uh, if if you do that um, and you're much better off in the longer term, really focusing on 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 repletion and then and then getting back to normal. And sleep is obviously really important in terms of that as well, because not only are you catching up, you know, presumably sleep allows your body to heal. It allows it to regenerate. But also, you know, with a newborn in the house, you're probably not going to be mm-hmm. getting much sleep. So presumably in terms of postnatal depression, sleep plays a huge role. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. And especially in the first month, um, you know, if you can if you can replenish yourself with with sleep, lots of sleep in the first month, then it's going to be much easier in the sort of months following that, even if the baby's not sleeping, you know, long periods at night at four or five months. If you've really kind of caught up in that first month, you're going to be reaping the rewards. Is it possible to bank sleep before your baby's born to sort of go into sort of labor really, really high on sleep? Or is that not how sleep works? Uh, no, I don't think it's. I, I think it's almost the other way around. I think you can much harder if you're sleep deprived before. Um, I think if you're regularly getting eight hours a night, um, you know, sleeping for ten hours a night before is not necessarily going to make that much difference. But but if you're going into labour having, you know, which a lot of pregnant women, of course, do because pregnancy is uncomfortable and difficult to sleep in. Um, you know, if you've had months of restless, unproductive um, sleep, then that does make it harder, without a doubt. And how long, you know, do 
most women, you know, if they're not really pushing the boat, how long is it normal to feel depleted for after having a baby? (laughs) Well, this is, there's definitely not a straightforward answer to that because that will entirely depend on how it's been managed right from the sort of preconception through the pregnancy and afterwards. So I, I, I've, I've seen and, and regularly look after women who've been on it, you know, from the beginning and have really focused on, on their health and their care. And of course, especially with number one, that's easier to do once you're having number three or four, it's harder. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the, those women are feeling back to normal by two or three months after the baby's born. But I've also looked after women who are still feeling the effects of postnatal depletion years after their babies are born. So I think it, um, it it totally depends on on uh, what it what 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 it is you're experiencing, why it is you're experiencing it, and then it's easier to to predict how long it's going to take to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of, I mean, it's one of those kind of well, few but probably more than we think things that possibly less well-developed societies do better than developed societies in terms of supporting women in the postnatal period and and understanding the significance and physical impact of having grown and delivered a baby. Definitely, definitely. And that's why I think a lot of these cultures have got it right um, by by sort of putting such an emphasis on on women in that month after they've given birth. Um, and we've lost it in the West. Now we can we can make a better hybrid of that because there's lots of things about lots of sort of um, traditional confinement that I don't think is great for the mother and baby. But we can combine that support and that nourishment and that nurturing of the mother uh, alongside our knowledge of what type of supplements, what type of food, what type of um, sort of emotional stimulation and 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 uh, and social stimulation is appropriate and best for the woman. Um, we just we just haven't quite got there yet. <laughs> and and a lot of it is education. It's, you know, preparing women not only for the birth of their baby, but for the recovery afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'd say I'd say it's it's good advice for most women, if you can, to go and have a checkup, not just six weeks, because six weeks is a normal checkup, but it's this everything is still so new and you've got quite a lot of adrenaline still going on and you're still often not completely recovered from the birth. So I'd say it's a three, four months to go and if you're if you're not feeling quite right to go and have a checkup and and possibly some blood tests and even simple things like the pregnancy and 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 breastfeeding can often disrupt the thyroid a little bit and that can make you feel quite tired that's really easy to fix um or um you know or or as i said your iron or vitamin d levels are a bit low or zinc zinc's often quite depleted in in you know postnatally and that has a huge effect on mood and then can be easily topped up um magnesium is the other one of the other ones you know there's been really there've been lots of studies now looking at um looking at uh the sort of the role of micronutrients and trace elements and it's thought like things like zinc magnesium iron and copper i think are the ones that are most sort of widely studied looking at deficiencies or imbalances of those being associated with mood um not even just postnatally but generally so it's um it's worth checking those things um, and it's worth being aware of what you're eating, how you can replenish those kind of naturally or with supplements. And if you've got a bit of a baseline of blood tests to go from, um, I think that can be helpful. As well as, of course, ruling out anything else that could be causing it, causing the way you're feeling. So you do a general blood test looking at how everything's functioning um, to rule out anything that is more medical. Because also it's worth just considering the impact 
on the baby that having a depleted mother will have. You know, if we're depleted, we're not firing on all cylinders. And that is going to have a massive impact on a child in, you know, they say that the most impactful time of a child's life is the first thousand days, which is basically, you know, conception till they're two. And if for a year of that time, the mother of this child is is physically depleted, they're not going to really be able to be as present and, and active as the baby needs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that goes with everything. As we've talked about, postnatal depletion, this term is a very broad word. And I'd say that the sort of mood side of it you know, even if it's not postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety, the mood side of it is what affects the baby the most, because that's what's going to um, uh, determine the mother's interaction with the baby. It's what's going to determine the activities the mother feels able to do with the baby um, and the relationship that subsequently is developing. Um, so, so you know, and a lot of the symptoms of of, of being a bit depleted are, are you know, are low mood and, and feeling irritable and feeling, you know, a bit wretched. Um, but but importantly, it is not the same as postnatal depression. That's very it's very different. Um, and so I think if you if if you're confused, if you're listening to this and confused about whether you're have just a bit of postnatal depletion or whether you have postnatal mood disorder, then definitely go and talk to your doctor and describe exactly how you're feeling. You know, in in postnatal depression, it, it's you know it's really quite serious and sometimes quite dangerous medical condition where you are really not taking any enjoyment at all out of life and things that you would have taken joy and pleasure from. Um, give you nothing um, back and sometimes feeling so awful that that it can be quite quite scary and we've done lots of podcasts on postnatal depression but it can be a bit of a, a fine fine line in terms of the overlap um, so make sure you're clear on, on what is the problem and in terms of sort of more resources um are NHS GPs the people to go and speak to, or is that quite difficult? Or I mean, listen, of course, it's you know, we in in England we've got with the NHS, which is just amazing resource, you know, that doesn't cost anything to to the individual, um, and and everyone trying their best, but limited in terms of time and resources. So it's quite possible you don't get much back um, from your GP, and maybe they won't be able to do the blood test that you want if if you don't really have symptoms that necessitate it, according to the guidelines they have to follow so um but uh, certainly uh, everyone you know everyone will have an understanding of that every doctor should have an understanding of that but if you if you're um if you're not getting what you want from your healthcare provider i think it's worth trying different avenues and potentially different doctors and seeing seeing where you get it's definitely a conversation that is happening but isn't necessarily embraced by everyone yet and what about books? Um, you mentioned that a few books at the beginning. Is there anything you'd recommend? Well, I have to say this: the the, the this postnatal depletion cure is a really good book that I've enjoyed reading, um, and gives lots of information about you know things to look out for and think are quite productive, proactive things to do to help. So I, that can be really helpful. And I think armed with knowledge, if you've read something like that, then it's much easier to go to your healthcare provider and ask for. Um, ask for tests. I mean, also increasingly, you're able to do a lot of these tests remotely, pay and pay privately for them. But it actually doesn't cost too much, um, and you can request what what it is you want, and then take the results to your to your doctor, and that might be a good way of doing it. Though, I mean, it's because it's a relatively new concept that is being written about in Western culture. There's not a huge amount of resource, but but online will will also, I'm sure you'll find some some resources that can help.
but the key, I suppose, is anticipating it and kind of just recognizing and acknowledging that this is a big deal that women have to cope with. And and um, and uh, uh, the most important thing, the thing you said there is is having a plan. So, you know, we have a birth plan, although arguably that's not a great thing, but a birth preference is quite good. Um, but having a postnatal plan, you know, thinking about that when you're pregnant, who's going to support you and how are you going to be supported? What self-care do you want? What what self-care do you think you'll need? What uh, techniques and what, what do you know works for you in terms of relaxing? And how can you as, in, in, uh, can you incorporate that into a kind of postnatal routine? What, how are you planning to catch up on sleep? And who's going to make sure that happens? Um, so, uh, you know, who's going to be do, who's going to be helping you with food and nutrition? Uh, and especially in that first month, this isn't a plan for forever. This is just you know, if you can sort of take, if we can take from other cultures this sort of idea of being really nurtured in that first month and just set it up so that, however that happens, we 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 we've got that support. That's far and away the most important thing we can do. Well, it's also so much easier if that was always the plan. If yeah. it wasn't the plan, then it's it's like feel you've got that feeling of sort of failed and unexpected whereas if all women are told you've got the first the second the third and the fourth trimester and this is yeah. what to expect then mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just going to be so much easier to deal with mm-hmm. and I, I suppose you know a lot of these things they cost money whether it's the blood test whether it's a bit of extra help so that you can sleep or whether it's you know spending a bit more money on on food because it's convenient because it's already prepared but at mm-hmm. least you can kind of think about it and personally with children sort of on the other side you know Babies need kind of probably far less than Instagram tells us. And I'm sure most of us spend way more money on stuff that promises the earth and anti-colic this and miracle that. Um, when actually that money is better spent nurturing the mother and putting her in a position where she is better able to be a mother and and deal with the kind of rigors of being a new mother and having produced a child than, you know, some kind of miracle swaddle that promises to have your baby sleeping through the night. Exactly. And, and, you know, people are very generous with, you know, when people have had babies and maybe again, making your plan of what, what setup you need and, 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 you know, what the costs associated are. And when people are offering, you know, to help when you've had a baby, instead of bringing another baby grill or a pair of mini baby converse or something that's completely useless, um, say, actually, you know what, I'd love if you could do, if you could cook me, you know, three meals and, and deliver them, or I'd love it if you could um, take you know take the baby for a walk for a couple of hours after a feed so I can have a good sleep or you know that would be a brilliant present and and sort of have that planned and set up for that first for that first month there are ways of doing it without spending lots of money mm. yeah it's time I remember our mother saying that her mother-in-law would come every Tuesday or something to look after me when I was a baby and she just said it was just one of the best things that I, I had was just this sort of regular Tuesday afternoon where, you know, mm. I could do my own thing. And uh, she was very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant, Kiara. Well, I think this is another really important conversation. I'm really glad we've had it. Um, I really hope that women will listen to this podcast, but also partners will listen to the this podcast and families you know so often the kind of wider family is like what can I do for my child and it's not necessarily about buying stuff it's about doing stuff and potentially even altering the mindset so I hope this will be really relevant for kind of grandparents and partners and siblings and that whole kind of support network and hopefully by having this conversation a bit more widely we can get the generate the sort of acceptance that there is a fourth trimester and and women you know don't just pop out a baby and then pop back into life it's a sort of long recovery period exactly and and it's a small investment a short period of time for a long-term gain 
Perfect, Kiara. Well, thank you so much. I'll put the details of those books in the uh, show notes. But in the meantime, thanks for downloading this episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review us wherever you found this podcast. It does actually really, really help in terms of listenership. And we're so grateful for lovely reviews. Um, uh, You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Kiara and me, thanks for listening.